talked about ad nauseum, all right, all right, I have, until you are nauseated. <laughs> all right, so I've talked about this subject so many times. I've done a whole series on this subject. Um, so I'm not really going to cover it in depth that much today. I just want to make a a few points that the passage is making and give you an encouragement to spend time in God's word. First Peter chapter one. We're going to look at verses 22 down to chapter two, verse 10. First Peter one. 22 down to chapter two. Verse 10. I'm going to start reading at verse 22. It reads, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word by which by the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. I want us to look at this passage just for a few moments using the title, Nourish Yourself in the Word. Let's pray. Father, we come before you today asking that you would open our hearts and minds. Help us to see that everything that you have in store for us is found in your word. We ask, Lord, that you would help us uh, to, to learn how to rely on your word, even in times of suffering and struggle. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to nourish ourselves in your word, because that is how you truly strengthen us 
to be your top model. We thank you now for these things in Jesus name. Amen. I'm going to give you my three points really quickly. Then I'll cover each one of these briefly. Number the first thing I want us to see here in this passage is found in verses 22 through chapter 2, verse 1. And I think that Peter is trying to show us how we normally respond to struggles, how we normally respond to struggles. In verses chapter 2, verses 9 through 10, Peter is showing us what should be our focus during struggles how we normally respond to struggles, what should be our focus during struggles, and then thirdly, in verses in chapter 2, verses 2 through 3, he's showing us how do we get there? How do we get there? Now, we have been working on this book for the last three Sundays, and we are using the title Struggle Well. And I don't know about you, but ever since we started this <laughs> series, it seems like God has been trying to put me to the test, right? And in times of struggle, in times where we are suffering, in times where we are in pain, we often respond poorly. I don't know about you, but when people cut me off in traffic, I don't always respond appropriately. I don't use any four-letter words or bad words, but I do be yelling. You know, Janita always says the same thing. You know people want to cut you off. Why does it bother you? I'm like, <laughs> they need to get out of my way. I'm just annoyed. I'm surprised I don't have, have more tickets than I have driving a Camaro, but I have got a couple. <laughs> okay. But we, we don't respond properly when it comes to pain and suffering. Normally, when we are going through struggles, we respond in our flesh. Listen to what Peter says here in verses 22. I think he describes here, uh, I'm sorry, in verse uh, chapter 2, verse 1, uh, he starts to say, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking, does that sound like you when you go through struggles? <laughs> Can you become malicious or deceitful, hypocritical, jealous? And I know nobody here does evil speaking. <laughs> we normally respond in our flesh because that is where the attack is aimed. Whenever you go through your struggles or through pain or through suffering, the attack is somehow in your body or one of your senses. And we are tempted to respond through the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, or the pride of life, because that is normal. But I think Peter is trying to show us here in this passage that Although it is normal, it is not normal for us as Christians to respond that way. We have to have something else in our minds when we are thinking through how we are to respond in our times of struggle. And in order for us to struggle well, we have to keep in mind what God expects of us. I want us to look in chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. 
this is what must be on our minds when we go through times of struggle. Too often we're thinking about um, how we look in front of people, making sure we respond in the right way. They're not going to think of me as a punk. Or, you know, we, we, we respond in certain ways, but we must keep on in the front of our minds what God expects of us. Listen to what he said in verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And when I was thinking about this passage, this verse in particular, I, I thought about a show that Janita used to watch, right? America's Next Top Model, right? It, we all are familiar with the with this show, right? And so they take a, a group of just random people, right? And they bring them in, they beautify them, put the makeup on them, and, and then they put them in a competition so that we can find out who is America's Next Top Model. And what we have to keep in mind as we walk our way through pain and suffering is that is exactly what God is looking for. He's looking for heaven's next top model. Peter says, you are a chosen generation. God picked you. You are a royal priesthood, right? You are kings and priests is what it literally means. You are kings and priests to God and queens. You are a holy nation. You are his special people so that you may proclaim. I love the King James version of it. So that you may show off, so that you may show the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When God allows us to go through pain and suffering and struggles, he's not trying to waste your pain and suffering. When God allows us to go through pain and suffering, he wants to uh, have you model for him. In spite of your pain, you will still praise him. Isn't that what God did with Job? Job never got a response to why God allowed him to suffer. Right. Joe went on for 42 chapters. God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this to me? God, what's going on? Why? Why do you keep letting this happen? God, God never answers him. He just shows up and says, who do you think you are questioning me? Now, we know that we know from chapters one and two, Satan is the one who instigated God. If you curse, if you take all of his possessions from him, he will curse you to your face. Oh, really? Everything that he has is in your possessions. Go ahead and try it. And no matter what Satan did to Job, he never turned his back on God. He praised God. He gave God glory. Now, sometimes he came real close to the line, <laughs> okay? <laughs> right? He got real close a couple times. But Job is an example for us of how to use our pain, our suffering, and our struggles in order to make 
God looks good. Now, I said I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I'm going to jump into these last couple on this last point. And the question is, how do we get there? Okay, we spent the last two two Sundays prior to this uh, looking at, at chapter one. And the question, well, how do I get there? How do I, as we see in the first half of chapter one, how do I maintain hope when I am going through pain and suffering? How do I respond uh, in a godly way when I go through pain and suffering rather than in a, in a normal way with malice, deceit, hypocrisy, and evil speaking? The answer is found in verses 2 and 3. We have to learn how to nourish ourselves in the word. Listen to what Peter says here. Again, I'll start at verse 1. He says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the greatest miracles that God has given is the miracle of childbirth. I remember being in the delivery room when uh, my girls were born, and, and after, you know, I was able to cut the umbilical cord and they cleaned them all up and everything, the very first thing they wanted to do was eat. I mean, they came right out the womb like, okay. They, 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 they were ready. They were ready for milk, right? This is what Peter is saying that should be characteristic of us. He says, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word. The reason that we go through pain and suffering and trials and we respond the wrong way is because we have not been drinking enough word. The reason that we go through pain and suffering and trials and evil speaking comes out and not the word is because we have not been drinking enough word. We go through pain and suffering. We call our friends and we ask them what they think. We turn on Dr. Phil and find out what he thinks. We go to the nearest self-help store and get books on what other people think. But we don't go to the word. Struggling well, struggling well comes from Spending time to nourish ourselves in God's word so that we respond properly when we are in pain. Now, you all may remember a long time ago. I mean, this may be about eight years ago. We did this um, relationship series, right? And um, we were talking about, um, about dating. And so this w- segment was for the for teens and, and stuff, right? And so... We were, we were going through that section. Um, we, I was talking about how um, many teens, even Christian teens, children in that, that grow up in church, how they end up um, living a lifestyle of fornication before marriage. 
And so st studies and statistics will show that two things happen that lead people um, like lead Christian teens in church into this um, into this uh, uh, lifestyle. Number one. They start off holding hands too early. I'm like, what? Okay, follow me here, right? So because eventually, if I if we walk along holding hands, you know, it, eventually holding hands is not going to be enough for me. Right? I, I I need something more to get excitement. Okay, so so we move on to kissing. Eventually, that's not going to be enough for me. I need a little bit more, right? And so, so we, we keep moving ourselves through the bases until we at home plate. Okay. Okay. Right? It's, it, it, it's, a, it's a gradual, gradual progression, okay? And so we, need, we constantly need more in order to be satisfied until we have to go all the way. Okay. The second thing that, we, uh, that study shows is, is that not only for, for teens, but also Christian adults, okay, <laughs> is we get in trouble because we don't have a well-thought-out plan in advance. Well, you know, I'm just going to hang out at my boo house at 11 o'clock, and, you know, we're just going to watch movies on the couch, boot up and everything, and then the devil creep in and be like, oh, what I'm going to do next? It's like we, we have no plan. We have not thought it through, right? We, we don't spend enough time preparing ourselves for the situation, and we get trapped, right? By the way, side note, this is the same reason that people die in, you know, in emergency situations. You ever see people on the plane? They're like, the plane is crashing. You're like, they're like, go for the exit, dummy, <laughs> you know? It's like they just like what 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 do I do? Right? We we freeze. That happened to me when I was working at CCBC. That we had this earthquake. I've never been in an earthquake before. I jumped up from my desk and was like, what? what? I was like, by the time I figured out what to do, the, like everything had stopped shaking. You know, it, because we don't have a well thought out plan that we consistently work our way through. In the moment, we freeze. Now, how does it apply to us spiritually? We think that we can oftentimes wait until we get in the middle of a trial to start spending time with God. The trial hits, and then it's like, okay, let me start reading the Bible. You, you wait till that coworker that you don't like starts cussing at you to then pray. And expect yourself to respond properly. <laughs> no, it is a consistent nourishing ourselves in the word that causes us to have the spiritual depth and maturity to respond properly even when we're in pain. Now, I want us to look really quickly at Three passages, well, two passages, but I'm going to break it up into three sections. First, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. I'm doing this one for Jackie. Jackie told me to look, um, look this up. <laughs> All right. How do we get there? How do we get 
to the place of being able to struggle well, respond properly, right? How do we nourish ourselves in the word? What I wanna, want you to see here in Ephesians chapter 5, very familiar passage. All of us know this passage. Usually they read this passage right before they start playing on the keyboard. Okay. Listen to what Paul says, verse 15. He says, Season that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord, and then a fear of God. And you see, he then, verse 22, he talks about wives. Verse 25, um, he talks about husbands. And then when you get down to chapter 6, he talks about children and slaves. Okay, so we see this passage. We know this passage. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. And then everybody says, yeah, woo, hallelujah. Okay, so everybody shout, dance, and speak in tongues. I've been filled with the Spirit. Woo! Okay, now what I want you to do is turn to Colossians chapter 3. Okay, keep your hand right here in this passage. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any of that stuff. I just want you to look, see something interesting in the text. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. Now, before, before I read verses 16 and 17, I want you to look at verse 18. Notice, he's, verse 18, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Verse 21, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Verse 22, bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Now you notice that Paul is addressing, the, the, literally t saying the exact same thing in Colossians chapter 3 that he says in Ephesians chapter 5, right? He addresses some of submission, husbands, wives, wives husbands, uh, children, fathers, bondservants, okay? Listen to what he says at verse 16, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay. Now, what I want you to, hopefully you see that, that Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3, this passage, they're parallel passages. That literally, Paul is in jail. He writes both of these letters at the same time. So when he wrote Colossians, he was like, well, what did I say in Ephesians? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, 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 he, so we can read these two passages so you can understand you know, what Paul means. Right? Now, notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, um, Verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, 
speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melodies in, in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks um, always for all things um, to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So he says, be filled with the Spirit. And, of course, we say, well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It means to let the Holy Spirit control you, let him take over, right? Um, what does that look like? How do you know when someone is filled with the Spirit? I mean, he answers it right here with a bunch of participles. What it, what it looks like, you are speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God. So we, we know specifically what it looks like, but I want you to look here in Colossians. Notice when Paul says this, he does not say be filled with the Spirit in Colossians chapter 3. He swaps out the phrase, be filled with the Spirit, for verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. You know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? To let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The way you know that you have been filled with the Spirit is when you have spent sufficient amount of time in the word that the Holy Spirit can control you, right? You can shout and dance and all that other good stuff, but if you haven't spent time in the word, you have not been filled. You have to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that look like? What does that mean? Does it mean we only read our Bible when we come to church on Sunday? Does it mean that we, you know, read one, one verse a day? I don't know what that means for you, but, but whatever it means, that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. Nourish yourself in the Word so that no matter what you go through, the Word is always what comes out. I want us to turn to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Two points I want to make here in Psalm 119. First, we saw in, in, in Ephesians, Colossians, that nourishing yourself in the word is being filled with the spirit. Right. I think that's why Paul says in e Ephesians chapter six that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Right. The sword of the spirit is the word of God. Right. So being filled with the spirit is the same thing as being filled with the word. Okay. Here, I want you to see in uh, chapter Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, that nourishing yourself in the word makes you happy. <laughs> I just want to be happy. Isn't that what Mary J. Blige said? <laughs> How do we become happy? Verse 1, blessed. All right, we know that the, the Hebrew word for blessed means happy. Happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. You have commanded us to keep your precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statutes. Then I would not be ashamed. 
When I look into all your commandments, I will praise you with uprightness of heart. When I learn your righteous judgments, I will keep your statutes. Oh, do not forsake me utterly. You know what true happiness is? How you find happiness when you're struggling? In God's word. God's word will keep you happy even though your circumstances are not pleasant. Number two, second thing I want you to see here in verses 9 through 16 is that nourishing yourself in the word makes you holy. <laughs> How do I respond the right way? How do I keep it sanctified and holy? Through God's word. Listen to what he says. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. What I want you to see here is that Christian purity comes from learning, memorizing, and applying God's word. God's word is what we need. If you are not spending time in God's word consistently, you're not going to survive trials. You're not going to struggle well. Now, um, again, like I said, I'm not going to take a lot of time going through this. I mean, I, like I said, I've done a whole series on, um, on, 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 on this complete topic, right? Um, I talk about it all the time. Every Sunday, I encourage you, I'm going to be preaching on this chapter. Read it five times, okay? Now, I'm not going to ask you how many people have read First Peter chapter one five times yet. Don't even raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> we have, but we have to get to the point where, as Scripture says, that God's word is our necessary food. Not reading your Bible every day is the equivalent of not eating food, <laughs> right? Now, all of us are going to learn very quickly because we know starting next week, right, I'm asking all of us to fast, right? One meal every Wednesday for the next four weeks, okay? okay. You're going to learn this is not easy. Imagine doing that. Every single meal for days at a time, right? Me, Malcolm, and Dirk, <laughs> we've been like, well, we need to work on our health. And so we, we was like, you know, we're going to be aggressive. <laughs> so Janita been talking about juicing and stuff. I was like, yo, let's, let's undo a juice fast. And so we decided we were going to, the, the, the first 10 days, we're going to do it for a whole month. The first 10 days, we're going to, um, juice one whole meal, right? So we'll skip breakfast and just drink a juice and we'll eat lunch and dinner. And then uh, the second 10 days of the month, we were going to uh, juice for breakfast and lunch and just eat dinner. 
And then the last 10 days of the month, we were just going to just straight fast for 10 days. Let me tell you. Let me pull out these text messages. <laughs> it was like it was like the first day at like six o'clock in the morning, Malcolm texted us. <laughs> Malcolm texted us a picture of Kermit the Frog leaning out the window, looking out the window. He was like, "Brothers, I'm already hungry." <laughs> And it was downhill from there. I mean, it was like, we, we were texting each other, like, yo, I'm angry, yo. I'm just like, I want, I, <laughs> I want, I, we, yeah, we were hangry. I'm, it was, you know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying to be the spiritual one. I'm like, come on, brothers, you know. And I'm like, I, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And then it's like, by the end of that first night, like Janita went to sleep. I was downstairs. I was. I went in the in the pantry. I closed the door. Was like, <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> I, I can't do. It. By day four. By day four, I was like, Yo, I'm telling you, man. They say if you could just make it to the fourth day, like you got it. On like day four, we was like, How about we take a vote to eat one meal? <laughs> Right? It was like, we need a reprieve. Let's eat one meal. It's like, they were, they were like, all right, yeah, we vote just one meal, and then tomorrow we starting over. I went, I ate like um, Cracker Barrel. I, was, I, I mean, not Cracker Barrel, um, um, Golden Corral. I went all out. I had like four biscuits. <laughs> like, I had it all. I think Malcolm went and got some like wings and stuff. I think Derek was the only conservative person. And I'm like, you know, he was like, I'm not going to go that hard. Right? It was so. It was oh no, it was one meal for ten days. Mm-hmm. All right, so you skipping all three meals on Wednesday? No, just like <laughs> <laughs> it's the all day thing that gets you. But but listen, this is my point. That's what we do to ourselves spiritually when we don't read the word we starve ourselves and then we wonder why we're spiritually hangry they cut you off in traffic you be like <laughs> and this is on the way to church <laughs> i ain't i ain't calling nobody out we see people pull up on the parking lot ready for church and then they, they get out the car, come on in, pr- praise, praise the Lord, everybody. Right. Get back in the car and continue the same argument. <laughs> right. Because we, we, we're starving ourselves spiritually. We starve ourselves spiritually and we wonder why we don't respond. Pr- and we pray, Lord, just fill me with your spirit. Give me the power to do better. Help me to, you know, stop this sin or that sin or whatever. And God is saying, I've given you everything you need. Peter says, he's given us everything that's needed for life and godliness. And we keep praying that the Holy Spirit would help us, empower us, help me to stop, help me to change. And, and we're not giving the Holy Spirit anything to work with. How does the Holy Spirit convict you and tell you when you're doing something wrong? 
he brings up a scripture. Right? Sometimes like, I don't I just, I know something's not right. I just don't feel right about it. Well, if you was reading the word, you know exactly what was wrong. <laughs> okay. Right. We have to learn how to nourish ourselves in the word. It's a spiritual discipline. Right? I don't know your schedule. I don't know how much time you have every day. You, you, I, I trust, uh, trust me, I know you don't have as much time to read as I have every day. I sit at home and read all day, okay? But if it's only one verse a day, you got to feed yourself spiritually. He's, he talks about, in, in Psalm 119, reading the word, meditating on the word, praying about the word, right? consistently bringing the word to our mind. If it's just one verse, read it. And throughout your day, keep recalling that verse to yourself and allow that thing to nourish you until the Holy Spirit gets control. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be able to come in this place and to be able to hear your word. Even though I didn't uh, spend as much time as I normally do digging out every detail of the text, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us by what we've heard today. I pray that you would help us to be like newborn babes that desire your word the same way we desire milk. Help us to see exactly what Jesus said when he said that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow to the place where Reading your word is just as important to us as eating every day. Teach us how to nourish ourselves in your word so that we can give you, Holy Spirit, something to work with when we are struggling, when we are in, in trials, when we're going through pain and suffering. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with yourself. Empower us, but help us to see that your empowerment and your filling will never take place apart from your word. You get control of us when you are able to wash our hearts and minds in your word. I pray, Lord, that you would shape us and mold us by your word. Help us to renew our minds, but help us to see we cannot renew our minds unless we're constantly spending time in your word, reading it, studying it, memorizing it, meditating on it, making it uh, uh, our own. And I pray, Lord, that as we do these things, that you will use us to proclaim the glory of Christ. As Peter says, we are to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We thank you for these things. We thank you for your grace and mercy in us, in our lives, even though we fall short, even myself, not spending enough time in your word. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us. Help us, Lord, to seek you and pursue you and to be better and better each day. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.